0: Hello Wagoneers, Bobby here. Welcome to our final episode of 2017. Since Luke and Andrew decided to take the holidays off and are bringing you pre-recorded episodes of Their Regrets, we thought we would also take this week off and bring you a pre-recorded episode about Their Regrets. And thus, a re-airing of one of our favorite clip shows from this year, July's episode dedicated to all the times TVTL hosts have let the big dog out, It Never Ends Well.
1: Enjoy.
2: aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about a podcast that's too beautiful to live. From the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Anne Lundholm. And joining me from Merchandise Fulfillment Studios in Linwood, Washington, it's the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hello, Anne. Back together again. <laughs> It's been so long. (laughs) It has. Um, It is time, everybody, for a Friday clip show. It's been a few months that we've been off of the normal clip show format, but we're back and we're ready for business. We have, as always, some things we must discuss, a handful of fun clips from TBTL yesteryear to break down and analyze, some housekeeping to take care of, and... As always, we have all the ways that you can get involved with the show. Christy. Anne, I'm angry at you.
1: Oh no, <laughs> no, I'm not
2: really angry at you.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. I hate being hollered at. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was just looking for some sort of a transition into the topic <laughs> that we're talking about today. Uh, I myself, I am about as self-controlled. As you can get Uh, all that, that bubbling, burning anger is locked so tightly inside me that it's like slowly compressing into something valuable, you know, like coal into diamonds or, Mm -hmm. or dinosaur into crude oil. So who knows what's building down there for me. Um, But that is not a problem that Luke Burbank has.
1: No, he wears his anger on his sleeve.
2: Yes, he does. On his sleeve, at the drop of a hat. uh, It is quite quick to come out. And in fact, it's such a character on the show that it has its own name. And that name is the Big Dog. So I thought that it would be a good time to have a little discussion of times when the Big Dog has reared its head in tbtl and uh this is not necessarily all about luke i mean let's be honest it's mostly about luke but (laughs) i did look for another occasion or two when somebody else's big dog might surprisingly come out so i think this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about, but I want to start out with, as always, talking about ourselves. And my favorite um, part—that's <laughs> the easy part of
1: the show. Yeah. Do you, do we have any anger issues? Do you have any anger issues? I don't think so. um I'm kind of like you, and and it takes a lot to get me angry. And then uh-huh. when I do, how it manifests itself is in ugly crying. And then I get mad at myself because I'm not sad. I'm really mad and then um then i'm just crying and i look like a big baby so there's that um but what i did notice as soon as ellie came into my life i am quick to want to murder children and um specifically ones (laughs) that are mean to her Mm -hmm. um there i started a kill list like a billy madison kill list um as soon as she started kindergarten um when she asked a girl if she could be her friend and the girl said, I already have enough friends and she got added to the list. Another girl hmm. told her she was um, too scared to go on the slide and that hurt Ellie's feelings. She's on the kill list. Like those kind of things. Like I just want (laughs) to murder little children. It seems like somewhat of an
2: extreme response. It is,
1: it is, but that's what happens. (laughs) No kids were always bullying me. And I just took it. But when it's yeah. someone that I... You know, maybe I do have a little bit of Burbank in me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long, long lost Burbank. Um, because I, you know, bully me all day. It's fine. But Ellie, nope. don't touch her.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I would say that I am far more protective of the few people that I really care about than myself.
1: You did tell the story about... Uh, crying in a meeting which you get mad (laughs) like that was your anger yes that was anger and frustration and
2: I would say that on the rare times that my anger really comes out where I lose my temper it's a very cold rage Uh, it's never physical and usually what happens is I start telling people exactly what I think of their behavior I'm not (laughs) much for like personal insults, but I will tell you how you've disappointed me. And uh, that seems to work very well, I guess. Um, But I have been struggling to kind of think of examples of, you know, when I really lost control. And I've had a hard time, but I did, I did think of one time uh, when I was a freshman in college, and I came home Uh, at Christmas. And, you know, that first semester in college, it's really tough. And it's the first whole, you know, big exams, period, and you're stressed, and you're kind of sick. And I went home and it seemed like my parents had kind of written me out of the family a little bit. (laughs) Like they had done everything that they say parents aren't supposed to do. Like they my mom took my bedroom, And converted it into like her workspace. So I had to sleep on a mattress in the basement and they like bumped me from my seat at the dinner table and even little stupid things like my towel wasn't in the same spot on the rack in the bathroom anymore because my brothers moved down a slot to a better slot. So I had to like take the one that was way far away by the window. But so I had all these like weird feelings swirling around combined with the stress and then my parents invited my cousin Brian for Christmas Eve. And Brian is eight years older than me, and the kind of person whose sense of humor was always to kind of insult you and then say, haha, oh, just kidding. Not actually yeah. a bad guy, just not very self aware and not very creative with his humor. And he used to do this thing he would come over and visit, and he would like rile up my youngest brother. Who's 10 years younger than me. So now we're talking like a little kid at this point. And he would like wrestle with Matt and jump around and get him all worked up and then kind of push him over the edge. And Matt would throw a like a temper tantrum. And then Brian would be like, oh, what a crybaby. And I hated it. And so he came over on this Christmas Eve and he started this nonsense and then he was making fun of our Christmas Eve traditions and our family stuff. And then he uh, pushed Matt over the edge. And of course, Matt, as any whatever, like six-year-old had a temper tantrum. And Brian started the usual thing and said, what a crybaby. I can't believe how immature this kid is. And I lost my mind. Yes. I believe I started with Did you ever think, Brian, that you might be the problem? And I think I went from there. And I kind of dissociated from myself. And I remember my mom had her like her hands on my shoulders, like pushing me down the hall back to her bedroom, (laughs) (laughs) just like, get me out of there. And then we were in her bedroom and she was telling me, and I will remember this till the day I die. She said, listen, I understand that Brian is ruining your Christmas, but you're ruining our Christmas and I lay down on the bed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and and that was the end of all my anger. Then I felt like the worst person forever and, and then we went back for dinner, and I refused to eat dinner because i was so miserable and then it was time to open presents and i refused to open my presents because i didn't want brian to see them and make fun of them and i refused (laughs) to let anybody else open the presents that i had gotten them because i refused to let brian
1: make fun of those presents too (laughs) it was a bad christmas eve he's too old to be acting that way
2: yeah yeah and he used to um liberally apply the aqua velva is aqua velva is that aftershave or cologne i don't really know the difference but yeah yeah and to the level that even if i wasn't home when he came over like if i was off working my shift at the taco johns i would come home later and matt would give me a hug and i would be like brian's been here because (laughs) matt would reek of aqua velva (laughs)
1: Oh man.
2: And he's actually a really nice guy and and pretty well-meaning, but boy, I could just not take that. That particular night.
1: Oh, that that's awful. I mean, when you go off to college, you you don't feel like you're at home. Like you're displaced for mm-hmm. 9 months out of the year. And then to go home and you're also displaced, you have no home.
2: Yep. Yep. I I was just like super, I think, off balance emotionally because of that. And then the whole Brian thing just... Is
1: he the same as an adult now? Um, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Is he married or anything? Yes.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, he's married to a very nice French lady who seems to really enjoy him. Hmm. So there we go. And the reason here, this is my sad little um, joyful evilness. I think the reason that he was spending Christmas Eve with us, that he didn't go home to Wisconsin, was because he was having hemorrhoid surgery like the day after Christmas. So oh. he didn't want to drive he all the way back. He was literally butt
1: hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. The worst time that I can remember in recent history of when I similarly was so angry and cried till like I couldn't see um, was actually during a podcast recording. Um, It was right when the Supreme Court had ruled that equal marriage was legal for everyone. And um, so Jeremy thought it was really cool to bring on a pastor for an affirming to, oh, this is too nerd out loud. So you can actually uh-huh. hear the episode if you want to hear this, um, to bring on an, af- a pastor of an affirming Christian church, and then to bring on one that is not, and to talk to them about it. So the one that was affirming, he was great. He was lovely. I would donate to his church. I've told multiple people that live in Boise where the church is to go to that church. He's he's wonderful. Well, this other one had been Jeremy's Christian mentor when he was a pastor for Uh years, since he was like 18 years old. He's known this guy. So he comes on and he's just spouting this garbage and he's saying stuff like, um, well, it's okay to be gay as long as you never have a relationship, you never are intimate with anyone and anyone in my church, as long as they're monogamous, it's okay. And that gay people are just like child um, predators. Mm -hmm, And I was just sitting there and I was like, no, and I was trying to interrupt and I was like (laughs) trying to, and then Jeremy was hushing me (laughs) and I was like, oh (laughs) fuck, no, you did not just do that. And so I ripped off the headphones and threw them at him and unplugged the microphone and threw that at him and went downstairs and was just like shaking and crying like so loud. And he continued the, the interview, finished it off. And then he came downstairs and he's like, what the hell is your problem? And I was like, oh, no. Do you understand that by letting him say those things, we're giving him a voice I do mm-hmm. not do not put me on that show because we just gave a voice to a bigot and he was like no no and he like didn't understand where I was coming from He's like this guy's a good guy I've known him for years I know his heart and I was like don't say that Christian bullshit around me first of all um and then then he listened to it like took took my perspective into it and he's like uh yeah you're right. I was being clouded by my relationship with him
2: and sure. he, he
1: edited it down. And then I came back probably like a day or two later when I could calm myself down. And then I just said how he's no different than like the Westboro church people. They believe the exact same thing. And that so then he released the podcast and that guy now doesn't speak to Jeremy anymore because we <laughs> compared him to Westboro church. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know, Christy. I don't know if I'd uh, characterize that as big
1: dogging or just righteous anger. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, I mean, basically, that's where it happens. If someone's a bigot or and says things and gets on their high horse and hurts people that I love, I can't. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you're basically calling my dad a predator. And I don't right. think people understand that. I mean, there's other people that, I mean, we've talked about Jeremy's parents saying the same thing. And I'm like, do you understand what you're saying about my father? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not okay. And I cannot have a relationship with people that think that way. I just won't. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
2: I love it. <laughs> I I love that you call people on that because uh, being a pretty non-confrontational person, I'm more likely just to... Hold my tongue, and then be like, "Well, I guess I don't want to hang around with that
1: person anymore." Yeah, and then just ghost out of mm-hmm. <laughs> out of their life. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. We have other uh, relatives who are rural Wisconsin relatives. Not that you know, Wisconsinites are necessarily any more bigoted than anybody else, but uh, rural um, and. I'm quite sure they're Trump supporters, but mm-hmm. it's a good Midwestern families, we don't talk about that right. sort of thing. Except according to my mother, they were at one time complaining about all the foreigners who come in and take the jobs, specifically all the Somalians who mm. come in and take the jobs. And my mom was like, you mean the Somalis?
1: <laughs> Not the Somalians? Right. Right. I just I mean, we have that here, too, because there's um, I mean, not in Seattle, but in the eastern part of the state, there's a lot of farm. So then they have migrant workers and there's people like my uncles that live in the eastern part and they're like, they're taking our jobs. I'm like, have you ever picked an apple in your life? <laughs> Do you right. want to? Because you can go work there. you can, They'll get you. They'll give you a job. They need people. So stop. Just stop with your they're taking our jobs. <laughs>
2: Let me tell you, they they pay top dollar
1: too, right. <laughs> a dollar a day. Top dollar is what. They <laughs> well, and that's what I keep saying is, don't be worried about migrant workers. Be worried about the Canadians. They have doctor jobs that they come here, especially along the border. They come to Seattle and make their high wages, and then they go mm. back every night. So let's be worried about the Canadians taking our jobs. <laughs>
2: I don't know about that, Christy, because I am not in favor of any restrictions that might make it harder I know. for Justin Trudeau to
1: come right? into this country. <laughs> right. I don't actually think we should, but I always tease my Canadian friend. I'm like, do you know you have displaced an American executive assistant? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Turns out we were building the wall on the wrong right? border the whole time. Exactly all right well let's move on to what i would call less righteous (laughs) anger issues anger issues um that probably uh it was a good thing that he got some therapy although i don't know that the work there is entirely complete but i think that we've (laughs) seen i was gonna say i think we've seen a big change but then i just remembered the Last clip that we, we have. have. <laughs> <just> say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as always, let's start by thanking the archivists who have brought us these particular clips. Uh, I want to thank uh, I've pronounced her name wrong before, so I'll try it again. Uh, Jen Vinciguera, uh, Abby Vandeveer, Ashley Gilliam. Oh, should I thank myself? Yes, always. (laughs) Okay, I thank myself (laughs) for finding one of these clips. So thanks, guys. You made it really easy to find these things. And I hope that you guys had fun doing the archiving as much as I did it. So when we talk about Luke and his anger issues, we use the term big dog. And... Uh, I was thinking that many of the newer tens may not know where that term comes from. And Luke has told it a number of times on the show in varying forms. It actually happened while TBTL was on the radio. And since then, he's re-summarized it. And I picked the clip where he told the story the best, I thought, with Mm -hmm. the most complete uh, information. Unfortunately, it is from a show where he was in the car driving with Vanessa. So the audio <laughs> is crap, <laughs> but it gets all the information. So it's not too long of a clip. Bear with it, and we'll come back and talk about it in a minute. It is from March nineteenth of two thousand and
3: ten. The story of a uh, big dog and why I call myself the big dog. Which every time I say it, I mean it as a diss of myself, which is totally deserved
1: the way the rest
3: of us mean it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what happened was uh, we were uh, at the radio station where we used to work, Cairo, and we had a news person. Um, and he was being... I can say it. It's Josh Kearns. And... Because uh, I'm, I'm the jerk in this story. And Josh, okay. Josh wouldn't care at all. In fact, I think I may... I know I've told the story on the air, but Josh Kearns was getting really mad at Sean... And, and I can kind of understand why, because what happened was, there was a problem with the computer that plays the news tape. So Josh Kearns, our former newsman, was in there reading his news story, and when it's time to hear the tape of the police chief or whatever, it's not playing. And he thought that Sean didn't have the, 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 the audio board set up correctly, but it wasn't actually Sean, it was him. And he was really upset, and every time he tried to go to another clip and it didn't fire, he became more crazed and furious, but the problem was... There's a copper over there. The problem was that um, he... Uh, um, he's also... Co- no, no, no. He's not coming after you. You're only 63 miles an hour. Okay. He's pulling out.
1: He's
3: not coming after you. Okay. Okay. This is a great story, by the way. Interrupted by us arguing about if a cop is coming to get you or not. Uh, he's pulling
1: out. He's
3: coming. He can... I, You know...
1: God damn it. He is not
3: coming after... He has to drive. He doesn't live on the side of the road. He lives at a house somewhere... And he goes to the police station... And he turns in his... Nightstick or something. Okay, He's going off. Okay. Whew! Jeez Louise. So anyway... Josh... Uh... Was getting really mad at Sean... And his frustration was building even more... Because he couldn't just come out and say... He had to keep doing the newscast... As if nothing was wrong. Um... And he couldn't come out and just say, like, dude, what's going on with the thing? So it made him double frustrated. So then when we went to commercial, he got really upset. And he was like, what the hell is going on? God damn it. And and the other problem was that we were trying to talk to Sean because it was, like, two seconds before the show started. And for reasons that are too boring to even get into, we didn't have enough prep time with Sean to really, because he does the Ron and Don show first. So we never would really get to discuss, like, here's when you're going to play this sound effect and this sound effect and whatever. So I came into the room and Sean was getting kind of a tongue lashing and I got really protective of Sean and I got really mad and crazy mad like I do sometimes. And uh, I yelled something to the effect of, you don't get to fucking talk to Sean that way. And then I think I was, what I was trying to say was like... I'm in charge here, which is hilarious because I'm not even in charge. Like, the flowchart doesn't even put me in charge. I'm a co-worker of Sean, Jen, and Josh, really. But I was just trying to assert myself. And so what I came up with was... <sighs> I'm the big dog here. Oh,
2: God! How could you even say that? <laughs> that is so awful.
3: Well, and even Sean... Um, who I was defending looked mortified. Oh, that's a cringeworthy story right there. Oh, my love. I'm so, I'm seriously so embarrassed about it. I mean, I don't know. What I was trying to say was like, if you want to mess with Sean, you got to mess with me.
1: Right. But
3: I came out as I'm the big dog. Uh Uh-huh. And I was humiliating and I feel terrible. And by the way, I went, like, the next commercial break, I went out in the newsroom. I totally apologized to Josh because... I needed to and we hugged it out and it was totally fine. Yeah. But that was that's that's when you hear me call myself You hear's me or someone else call me the big dog. That's what that's a reference to. So thanks, Anne Louise, for dredging up that really painful moment.
2: Christy, the first thing I want to ask you is like, where does the responsibility for this fall? How much of it is on Josh Kearns for being a jerk mm-hmm. to Sean? How much of it is however the audio board computer stuff got screwed up? And how much of this is Luke?
1: In my opinion, the fault goes Sean has 0%. Because he, he didn't do anything wrong. Right. And Luke has... 10% because he went off in a way that was inappropriate, especially for work. (laughs) And Josh has 90% because he was getting angry at someone when it was his mistake.
2: Wow. What do you think? Okay. Well, that's interesting that you would uh, put that much of the responsibility on Josh. Not that I necessarily disagree because I think uh, he was totally inappropriate in how he treated Sean, um but uh luke did did ramp this up pretty (laughs) quickly
1: i think oh so how so sean's a board operator so he kind of keeps the show running he plays the commercials he tells he takes the calls he does all the behind the scenes work and he works with a bunch of really big personalities i mean he works Mm -hmm. for ron and dawn and i mean like think about all of the cairo personalities that they talk about all the time and at the time one of those was luke and sean has to be constantly getting shit on especially when he first when he was relatively new because if Mm -hmm. the commercial doesn't go or the audio doesn't play everybody blames him no matter what Right. right right and He's probably, I mean, he definitely was the lowest paid of of anyone there. And so that always, he always gets the blame. And I think that because he belonged to the 7 to 10 hour, he probably also, because he works there full time, so he probably worked Ron and Don, then TBTL, Mm -hmm. um, that he kind of does belong. Because he's not just a board op for them. He was a personality. He talked just as much... As Luke and Jen, he participated just as much on the show, but he also was doing all the ba- behind the scenes. So he right. kind of did belong to Luke. He was his assistant, right? He's the third player on the show. So right. I I just think that he probably got a lot of crap all the time. And I think that it was highly inappropriate of, of Josh to be yelling at him like that.
2: Yeah. Sorry, Josh, yeah.
1: if you listen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, definitely, Luke has, uh, he talks about, has talked about on and off and talks about in one of the later clips about uh, this protective instinct that he has for Sean. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and frankly, it is the Luke Burbank show. It's not the Luke Burbank show with Sean Mm DeTorey. So he is the big dog, right? He's not Sean's boss. But he's not exactly just his coworker,
1: right? I mean, he Sean doesn't report to Luke. But if Luke said, "I don't want him anymore," he would have been mm-hmm. reassigned. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, there's not that many radio slots if they're if they're three to four hours a piece. I mean, there's definitely a hierarchy of like these are the personalities, these are the stars that are mm-hmm. bringing in the money or not I mean, like, <laughs> <let's be honest. laughs> or not. Um, but right. yeah, I mean, and then same, it was Luke and Jen was there as well, but she was just a producer. And normally the producers don't talk, mm-hmm. but he made it a show where it was three people, three friends interacting.
2: Yeah. I, you know, it's funny if you think about it, Sean, the lowest paid person and the lowest on the totem pole is the one absolutely essential component to the show
1: (laughs) if he's not there that show doesn't happen right (laughs) exactly and i mean we saw it before when luke sleeps in and doesn't come to work Mm -hmm. and jen just said okay sean we're doing this (laughs) (laughs) But if Sean wasn't there, there would be no sounds coming out of the speakers. Like it just wouldn't be happening.
2: (laughs) Well, I do. I really commend Luke for for trying to be a good friend to Sean to, to defend him and keep him from getting shit on. But I do think it was a little it's a little over the top. Let's put it that way. And and he knows that. I mean, it's the thing about Luke is he is very self-aware and he was incredibly embarrassed after that. And he was like, oh, my God, what a total douche
1: thing to do. Right. And he did apologize and they hugged it out, which is nice because okay. he could have just kept this grudge forever. Right. Oh, I would. <laughs> I, know, I just but I wouldn't have said I would have been like, Sean, let's slash his tires. <laughs> And then never have said anything to Josh mm-hmm. or maybe just passive aggressively talked about the asshole news guy.
2: Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so before we leave this clip, though, we have to talk about the the thing with the cop with Vanessa and the yes. cop, right? We can't. So not he talk was a good that. friend,
1: but a terrible boyfriend in this clip. Yes,
2: Exactly
1: he okay i have extreme anxiety about the police if there's one on the freeway he's gonna get me and i'm going to jail and i'm never doing anything wrong and i'm usually in traffic going under the speed limit and i'm a white lady (laughs) in a toyota corolla so i i just can't imagine that vanessa being a, a latino woman latina woman like the police are scary Mm-hmm. So she has a right to have her anxiety up when a cop pulls out and goes behind her. And Luke's attitude is, you're only going
2: 63. What's the speed limit in, in the Seattle area? 60. <laughs>
1: yeah, so she is technically above the limit. Right, it, exactly. Like he, and, and him like yelling at her about it mm-hmm. just makes it worse. And really what I think it is, is that... He just wanted to tell her to shut up because he didn't want to do any editing that if he could just get through his story, (laughs) then he wouldn't have to edit it. Oh, well,
2: uh, Luke is not too concerned about getting pulled over by the cops or any of that. So I'm sure he just didn't care at all. No, (laughs) I would have been hyperventilating. Right. (laughs) I'm a good girl. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. Should we move to the next one? Let's do it. Okay. This one comes to us September 14th of 2009. This is when the big dog comes out at the nightlight the last night of TBTL.
3: What we've got to do here is a public service announcement. You know, we love to do these here on TBTL uh, because, um, well, we we are able to broadcast to the public now through tbtl.net. And we're fans of service.
2: We believe in being community give backers. That's
3: right, indeed. So, uh, so this is a public service announcement about what not to do when talking to the apparently <laughs> crazy bouncer at the Nightlight. Okay, so Friday night we had a very uh, small, very exclusive little fun uh, friend hangout after the show because it was our last radio show. And uh, we we all went down to the nightlight. They have this little back room, which I have to say is really, really very cool. Mm-hmm. And you can basically rent it out. It's like seventy five bucks for the karaoke, and you don't have to put any deposit down. You just ask them, "Can we have that room on Friday?" And they give it to you. It's a great setup. The problem came at the end of the night when the guy who's the, I guess you know, head bouncer of the place came in while Jen was in the middle of singing "Golden Girls."
2: <laughs> it's true. I hadn't even gotten to the, if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew. Which
3: is the, you know, really the best part. part. Absolutely. He comes in and he's like, shut it down. And he didn't even have the dignity to say, shut it down, America. (laughs) Shut it down, America. I mean, we would have laughed at that. That would have been great. No, he just came in and he was like, shut it down. And so I, and this is where we get into the public service. I, okay. First of all, I was pretty drunk as anyone who listens to the show knew uh the the part that preceded being at the nightlight and you don't even want to know what happened there mary crimbring with the shots i know so then the guy comes in he yells i'm mad because jen's singing a beautiful song about some older gals in florida who have very risque conversations and uh i said i turned him and i go really dude you couldn't just let her finish the song and i put my arm on his shoulder Not in a threatening way and not in a gay way.
2: In a we're all in this together way. That was
3: exactly where I was trying to go with this. Like a we're we're bros way. Exactly. Like, hey, dude, I'm not trying to – I know that you've got things to worry about too. But – because he just came into the room and just started yelling like, turn it off. So I put my arm on his shoulder and he goes, don't touch me. You're trespassing. (laughs) Don't touch me. You're trespassing. And I said, listen – Everyone here is fine with you doing your pathetic job. Now, I did not mean his job working at the nightlight is pathetic. I mean interrupting someone singing the Golden Girls, Thank You for Being a Friend, is pathetic. Yes. The problem was at that moment, it was hard for him to pick up the nuance (laughs) of the conversation.
2: Also because he was crazy.
3: It didn't help that he was apparently insane. So – he goes – he basically threatened me. He said, let's go outside. Yeah. He wanted me to go out on the sidewalk and fight him. And I'll tell you, a lot of other nights, <laughs> I'm down. I'm down to clown. <laughs> this was not one of those nights because like it was kind of a – we were having fun and there was people there that I didn't totally know. And mm-hmm. I just didn't want to – I wasn't trying to go there for once. I mean really like I'm usually the first guy to be like, all right, okie doke." No, you were
2: in total diffuse mode. I, I could w- tell. I did not
3: to- in any way try to – and, and – uh so we then the mummy tried to talk to him and apparently he what, Sean what was That's going on? That's when with him? I saw
2: cuz I missed uh, apparently this whole thing Christina kind of told me about it but when I was walking out of the uh, room I saw the mummy talking to crazy uh, bouncer Yeah yeah, and I just um, I don't remember exactly what I heard, but I just know Isaac was like, or the mummy was like, "Hey, it's okay, man. Like, what what was going on? It's okay. Cool out. You know, pretty much just like that." But then Christina was like, "Let's go, Sean. You know, like because that was when everyone was kind of moving outside of the nightlight in general." Yeah. So I don't know what happened after that, but I think um, the mummy made it out okay.
3: I think everybody got everybody out. Everybody was on, out on the sidewalk. And okay. actually, and this was the reason that I knew that we weren't in the wrong because the outside security guy. Who is himself no teddy bear. You know, he's like a pretty If – you're a bouncer, outside security guy on 2nd Avenue in that part of downtown Seattle. Your job is basically 24 hours a day to just yell at people, like homeless people and stuff that are bothering the smoking customers. So he is no teddy bear, and he came over to me, and he gave me like a conciliatory handshake. Like he was like, hey, dude, sorry. Hmm. So apparently that other guy tends to go bananas a lot of the time. So I guess the public – service aspect of this whole thing is uh, if you find yourself using that karaoke room, which again, I highly recommend if a guy comes in during a Golden Girls song and starts yelling to shut it down, Mm -hmm. you just, you walk quietly towards the door and whatever you do, do not put your hand on his shoulder or give him a reach around which I may or may not have done. I was very tired and emotional.
1: Okay. What did you think? I
2: learned an important lesson listening to this clip don't make physical contact with the bouncer
1: it's never not touch the going the bouncer to
2: work out it's not oh.
1: even if you're right never touch the bouncer
2: <laughs> well especially if you make a crack about the bouncer's pathetic job yes that puts a whole different spin on it. You're yes. not putting your arm around him in a friendly, we're all bros here way. It's an
1: aggressive move. Right. And the name bouncer doesn't mean you're friends. It means you're gonna bounce your butt out of the bar. <laughs> That's what the name means. <laughs> it's not friendly time. Why did he do this? Clearly he was drunk. Very drunk.
2: Yeah. A lot to vary. (laughs) So the possible decision-making skills were somewhat impaired. I understand that. Um, But does he really care that much that Jen gets to finish her rendition of Golden Girls? I'm sure it was wonderful. Oh, of course it was. But it seems that it's kind of a small issue for him to be getting weirdly aggressive over
1: What I think, well, first of all, he'd been drinking all night. We've seen the video of him dancing in his underwear. (laughs) That's true. Emotions are high. He loses, he's lost his job. And I mean, I know this because I was one of the nerds standing outside of Cairo crying um, (laughs) on the last day of the show. Um, And he, what he really felt bad about is that Jen lost her job. Like, he's like, I have a contract. I'm gonna be paid for the the, in the next couple of months. I have gigs I can fall back on, but Jen doesn't. She's gone today. Like her paycheck stops today, which I thought it was a little weird that he was drunkenly telling me that on the street. But you know,
2: <laughs> well, and considering that her husband is an architect, right? You know, yeah, they're
1: they're not gonna be on the street, like. But you know that he just kind of feels bad about this. He's drinking, and I think he just had the. And the, this is, I think, a common thread through all of his big doggedness is that he has a plan set in his head of how the night's going to go. And if anything veers off of that, Mm -hmm. if any element comes in, then it, he flips out. It's kind of like a toddler a little bit. Mm. (laughs) So he had this dream. Jen's going to sing golden girls and they are right. The party part is the best part. And if you have to end before that, Like, it just feels not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're singing, they're having a great time, and then they get cut off. Well, that's not how he imagined the night. Right.
2: Yep. I'm actually surprised that he didn't end up fighting this guy.
1: Me too. (laughs) Because he's known for headbutting. Like, that's the thing that he would do.
2: Yeah, I I think... That when the situation is that the mummy is acting as the voice of reason.
1: Yes. Something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Has taken a turn for the douche. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I just can't believe that. And and Sean. Sean is just bewildered. What's happening? When those two are the most sober and sane. (laughs) That says something. But also the Night Lake, I mean, he nailed it with it, is on 2nd Avenue. It's in a pretty tough neighborhood. They only take cash. There's probably two to three bouncers for this tiny, tiny place. And they pour tough drinks. We've had a couple meetups there. And it's pretty, pretty crazy. The, The bartender there is this older lady. I think she's conservatively 70. And she wears a cat sweater. You know, the kind grandmas wear where it's like cats, sure. it's pink sweatshirt and it has cats playing all over it. Uh-huh. But she's one of the meanest people I've ever, not mean, <laughs> but like, uh, like hardened. But she probably has to, to work there. And she's like, okay, that costs this much money. Give it to me now. Cash only.
2: <laughs> uh, do we have anything else about this or should we move um, on? I think we can move on. All right. This next clip is one that I am delighted to include here because, as I alluded to, this is the only one that's not about Luke's big dog. This is about Andrew's big dog. It's maybe not as big a dog as Luke's, but this is the way that it comes out. Maybe his big dog is an extra large chihuahua. (laughs) But it is his big dog nonetheless. And uh, this is, boy, this I was going to say this is relatively recent, but it's not, is it? No. It is three years old. This clip is from July 21st, 2014. Uh, this is the story that Andrew tells of visiting a particular dive bar in L.A. And the continuing issue he has with the bartender there. And I have to say, this story was well over 20 minutes. And so I couldn't include all of it because I try not to go more than 25-30 minutes total on the clips. So I kind of picked it up in the middle after he's been talking for a while. But I think that uh, people will remember this. And hopefully, if people weren't listening to the show at that time, they'll be able to pick up what's going on fairly easily so let's kick it in there and then we'll see what we see and then I go back up
0: for um for another uh, for another round and she says uh, and so I'm waiting there and I'm just like hey there um, can I get you know uh, another beer and another whatever she's like last call means last call and that was 15 minutes ago Oh geez. and I just look at her like then I guess I'll settle up <laughs> And so she brings the card to me, and she's like yelling at me, as if like like we're way in the back. Like clearly, I didn't hear last call. Like why would you just not say sorry, hun? Last call was fifteen minutes ago. Like what? Why would? What was her instinct that she was just yelling at me about everything? And I don't know if I'm. I feel like I'm doing a bad job of explaining how awful this woman was. No, be. no, I'm getting a sense. And so. You you would have seen red, or certainly old Luke. You would have uh, seen red. No I don't new know how Luke you. Did, I print. probably would. that. Yeah. Like, I mean, the difference is uh, I, I wouldn't have head butted her.
3: Yeah. New Luke. She was have physically being,
0: assaulted her. She was being horrible. The only thing that kind of redeemed her to skip ahead a little bit was I saw her showing a little girl how to fly a kite with a fishing rod, and oh, that well, did kind of good. warm my heart a, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, she had a cat on her shoulder. <laughs> yeah, she had a cat. It was the whole thing. No, anyway. So, um, so I'm just like, oh my god, what? this woman is awful. She's horrible. And I'm also like, you know what? We had one round of drinks. Um, we had three, uh, four drinks amongst us because I had a, a, a shot and a beer. So she poured us four drinks. She did mix a dirty martini, which is a little bit more work than usual. But I'm like, this woman has been awful. From the moment I got here and waited forever while she continued to debate with some guy, and now I'm realizing that it was probably her that was the right. problem and not him. Um, from the way she treated me and started yelling at me as if I was going to try to not show IDs to yelling at me for not hearing last call, I'm just like, F- this if you can beep that if you want um and I've already I, used the
3: F word about six times
0: this show. <laughs> okay, good. I haven't been listening to your part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not gonna tip her. I, and I think to myself, and you know me, and just mm-hmm. I have to be a little bit defensive here. I am an over-tipper. Yes. I always tip on the tax, and I always tip over, especially at a bar, because I feel like, well, 20% is kind of like not usually enough because d- drinks usually aren't that expensive, especially in a place like this. And I really appreciate good service. And 99 times out of 100, I feel like the bar bartenders i get are always really cool people who have really hard jobs on a saturday night and i say that in all earnestness but i'm like i'm not gonna like tip somebody who just like yelled at me all night for doing nothing so i'm like but i'm not gonna leave it blank i you know me i have to let it be clear that um i don't usually not an accident so yeah so i leave her 50 so i write on the thing so i she puts my credit card and the two receipts on the bar I grab them, but I know that I'm going to leave a shitty tip. So I grab them, and I turn around to the little kind of bar right behind me, you know, just a little thing jutting out of the wall yeah. along, the, along the perimeter of the bar. And so I write 50 cents. So it was like 28 bucks or something, so I write like 28.50. And then, just to be very clear that, again, it wasn't a mistake, I draw the frowny face. I've talked about it. I've done that once before in my life where I had to, like, really leave a shitty tip, but left a frowny face so that they you know <laughs> that, like, I am unhappy I with feel like the that experience frowny face that I've had here.
3: could be—you could read that a couple of different ways, though. You could read it as, um, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. <laughs> that is true. Or I would that tip you true. more. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, um, should I have had a picture. You should have drawn a picture of just, like, a horse that was just, like— so had been ridden so hard and yet was in its stall but just dripping sweat. This is what your life is doing to you.
0: <laughs> I actually actually I drew a Native American with a single tear. Yeah. It was really it took me a long time. I think that's what pissed her off. <laughs> yeah. um, no anyway, so I so I turn onto the little bar behind me, I write the fifty cents, but then I'm like, before I put this on the counter I want you
3: to go get to our everybody table. Everybody ready to
0: leave. I exactly. So I'm still, three seats. I'm still holding both receipts. I'm still holding both receipts, and I take about mm, ten steps, top seven steps to like the other table in the back. Is in a slightly kind of it feels like a different room. It's a slightly different room, which is why we didn't hear last call. BT Dubs, um, are you so, familiar by the way with what last call means, Andrew? I actually am not. <laughs> I'm what. Uh, um, so anyway so I take like the seven steps and I'm kind of I'm holding both three seats I'm about to put them on the bar but I say to the gang I'm just like hey guys we um, just so you know this has been a really bad experience for me I kind of indicated that to you guys before I'm leaving like a 50 cent tip we got to get out of here get ready to move I'm about to put this on the bar um, so even when I'm being a dick I'm still overly cautious about it so anyway so I'm and then all of a sudden, as I'm saying this, she's like excuse me she's come out from behind the bar and she's now standing behind me with her arms on her hips like yelling at me she's like I need that receipt. That is not for you. That is my receipt. Like, she's yelling at me like an insane person, which... I think that's where the story's going. I think she's an insane person. And I'm like, and I turn around, I'm holding both receipts. I'm like, and I'm going to put them on the bar in a second. I'm gathering my friends. Is that okay? I've got them right here. And she just like, kind of turns around and storms out. And then I turn back to the table. I'm like, guys, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm leaving a 50 cent tip. And then I don't know if she overheard me say that, or if she just got really pissed at me kind of like throwing it back in her face. But she came back up to me and said, no, I'm taking them now. And she ripped him out of my hands. Oh, my God. She rips it out of my hands. Our one friend is already outside waiting for me to smoke a cigarette, so I grab Jessica... And Genevieve, our other two friends, um, and they're just like they see this, and I'm just like I gotta go. So they're gathering up their stuff. I kind of hightail it out there to make sure that our friend is now. Uh, when, the is grabs, when the lady grabs,
3: when um, the lady grabs the receipt from your hand, does she look at it to see that you've tipped her fifty cents?
0: <laughs> she must. She must have. I don't. Know, she. It all happened really fast, and also I was pretty drunk. Um, she grabbed it really, but no, I wasn't like slob. You right, know what I mean? Right. I wasn't like out of my wits or anything. Sure. I'd had several beers at the party and a shot at the party, which was also embarrassing um, because I was kind of like. It was weird. I really felt like an alcoholic. Nobody was really doing shots, but I was just kind of like, can I do a shot of your whiskey? Um, but anyway, uh, so so yeah, I didn't see. She just kind of grabs out of my hands and turns around and storms back and like kind of behind the bar. And I'm just like, we got to get out of here. So then I turn so that I can go outside and then... Um, And then—so I kind of get out of there before Genevieve and Jessica, and then, like, I'm outside. If I'm a friend, like, let's get out of here. And then I guess as I'm leaving, as—you know, I'm already out of earshot, but apparently, like, Genevieve said that she was just, like, screaming to the entire bar, just, like, going insane about me, screaming. I'm like, I'm just going to avoid it. I don't know if she actually—I could check right now, see if that actually—she if ended up (laughs) avoiding the entire thing. Well, that would be kind of awesome because then
3: I guess you get free drinks. I guess, but, like,
0: I don't want free drinks. I want to pay for <laughs> my products and services at a bar that I love. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the whole thing has just been horrible for me. Like, it's so weird. The last time I was in there, which was, like I said, like I, was, I had a day off of work, and I just went in there for, like, a beer after my pastrami sandwich. And it was so perfect, and the bartender was so awesome, and we are talking and everything. And, like, I love this place so much, and I want I want more places in the world like this. I want to support it. I don't want to get free drinks via horrible service. Oh, wait. I didn't. Oh yeah. There is one more thing to kind of tell you as I as I kind of went out of the bar. I'm kind of storming out of there before Genevieve and our other friend. And as I'm walking out, she's kind of yelling about, she's like, oh, that's right. She yells at me. It's not my fault. It's last call. And I just i I'm, I'm just, now I'm just walking past. I'm just like, it's not about last call. This
3: whole thing was awful. This whole thing was horrible. <laughs> Did you start yelling, Attica? <laughs> I should have. I basically did I just started yelling This whole thing was awful
0: This whole thing was horrible And I just like ran Just kind of like ran out of the bar And I just I don't know It's really And you know what Here's the thing that drove me the most crazy is it. Re- I feel like it was a horrible way to end the night for um, for the gang and Genevieve. Like the next day, I was kind of saying how horrible I felt. I was also hung over the next day, and I was just like so kind of just. I felt so horrible. Like I should have just been like, you know what? She's a crazy person who's got some tone issues, and what I should have done was left her two or three bucks maybe a little bit less than she does or let's see what 28 it's a 28 um so she dollar didn't avoid tip. It. so i should have well oh no i don't know i'm just thinking out loud like let's say it was 28 bucks i should have left her like ideal. Usually I would leave like six bucks for that, you know, like 20%. Maybe I should have left her four bucks and left her a frowny face or something. You know what I mean? Or not even that. Like I just shouldn't have done anything. I should have just been like well, we had to leave anyway. Like by kind of confronting her and leaving her a 50 cent tip, like it didn't, I didn't get anything out of it other than I felt like I kind of ruined the night for everybody else and I don't think they would say that, but I just also felt like I'm not this confrontational guy yet I keep on finding myself in these kind of confrontational situations. And at a certain point, I either got to admit that I'm a confrontation guy or I, think you're I one of the
3: adjust my behavior. I think you're, I mean, I think you're pretty non-confrontational and I think you, I think that here's you know what I, th- I think probably happens a little bit for you is that you are a very very decent person to other people and you are you're very I think you, you have a smile on your face and you like are very quick to apologize to let's say the bartender's having a hard time or get your order wrong you would even say oh I'm sorry no I maybe I didn't speak up it's actually this like I, I mean I've been out with you enough times to know that you start off being super duper understanding and then I think if they mistreat you it probably feels even more painful Mm-hmm. because you're such not a jerk that then it's like there's a, probably a kind of a, a very small margin for if they start mistreating you, it's like it feels really unfair because you're being so yeah. nice. And, and so I then take things
0: overly personally. I mean, there's no doubt about it.
3: But you know what? That was bullshit what she did. And I mean, I kind of think like, well, the other question I have is like, can you go back there now? I don't know.
2: Christy, what do you think of Andrew's tipping strategy? 50 cents and a frowny face to show his disapproval
1: i i don't is it more passive-aggressive than to just write a slash right why 50 cents why not just the frowny
2: face why a big not a big x i don't
1: understand the thought (laughs) process behind this because he had to draw a picture of how he was feeling Everything was terrible. <laughs> this whole thing was awful. <laughs> whole thing is awful. I need to say that more often. <laughs> Just get up and say that. I was re-listening
2: to this today and reflecting that I hope that he was telling this a little bit for the comedy kind of making it more pathetic than it really was. Because, frankly, I mean, I love Andrew, but this is pretty pathetic. (laughs) Wasn't it? To scream this whole thing was horrible after, like, on his way running out of the bar after he's tipped her 50
1: cents. (laughs) The whole thing was so weird. I mean, the whole night. I mean, if you listen to the whole thing, she's mean at the beginning, middle, and end. And then, so... I'm, I just think he shouldn't have engaged anymore. Maybe they should have left. Because right. if she, she was either crazy or she had a terrible night or both, a little of both, and they're not, that's not going to go well. If if Andrew Ordi is feeling defensive at the first thing with the IDs, it's time to mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. No matter how much you want a martini. <laughs> a shot, a a shot and a beer. A shot and a beer. I mean, no matter what, you just, you're not going to have fun.
2: Right. And... He takes everything so incredibly personally. And I think we all know that by now. And it just seems to be his default mode. And I don't know exactly where that comes from. I think Luke did a pretty good job of talking about how Andrew tries to be so accommodating and so pleasant and so good to everybody that when he's not treated with the same respect, that really... That really upsets him really quickly, yeah, but this seems almost pathological the way that it's going
1: yeah i um I feel the same way if if someone's angry and yells at me I- I'm the same way I'll shut down and, and feel really sad about it, but I would leave, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I have that same that same tendency as well, because like Andrew, I do try really hard to think about other people and make other people's experience a good one. Mm -hmm. And so if they don't treat me with the same respect, that upsets me. But I will say that working all those years in retail, I think really helped me in that. Because I remember one time complaining to my mom about some customers who were being like really, really rude to me. And she said, you just have to remember it's not personal, Anne. And I said, yes, it is personal because they are personally insulting me. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, I think I realize more and more that things seldom have anything to do with me. And I don't think that Andrew has gotten there. I don't know if he'll ever get there.
1: Not without therapy.
2: Mm-mm. I wrote down, I, I thought the most interesting part of what he said was quote, I'm not a confrontational guy but I keep finding myself in confrontational situations. And it's sort of like the first glimmer of, you know, maybe I have to think about what my part in all of this is. Right.
1: Well, and I think that's like what you said is that he doesn't understand that it's not about him. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, like how many years of therapy have you done and I done to get to that? Like, (laughs) Like, yeah, I I just feel like as soon as well, even children, teenagers, adults, you're all completely narcissistic. You think that everybody's thinking about you all the time. They're judging you. They're talking about you, that they're going out of their way to be mean to you because they're jerks or because you did something wrong. But that's not true. Everyone's going through their own stuff. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot of therapy and a lot of self-awareness to be like, hey, that person's having a bad day. It's not about me.
2: Right. And I don't doubt his version of events at all. Like you said, it sounds like she was just a nightmare to oh, be around. Sure. But it seems like his reaction was just the most passive aggressive, non-confrontationally confront. <laughs> hair triggery kind of response that you could
1: possibly get. I wish that this was a time when uh, Luke said, "Let's talk to Genevieve and see what she thought thought about the situation." Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: I do not trust Andrew's rendition of these no. things because I think he's
1: a very unreliable narrator mm-hmm. when it comes to this. Well, especially when you've been drinking and you feel upset. Uh-huh. and he a lot of time because he said this that um when he goes out and and he's taking friends out he feels responsible for their time thinking that like making sure that they have a good time and no one is having a good time when someone's yelling nope. at you you're not able to get the drinks that you want you're being treated terrible and and so he also takes on that burden like oh my friends aren't having a good time And maybe he picked the place and told everyone it was great or that he wanted to try it out. And then he feels responsible for that. Mm, Paging Anne's therapist.
2: (laughs) One of the first things we talked about in detail is that how you cannot take responsibility for other people's feelings. Yes. (laughs) It's totally up to his friends whether they have a good time, regardless of whether Andrew picked the scene or set the agenda or anything
1: exactly that's a hard lesson to get over though
2: definitely it's especially when you've grown up feeling so responsible for everybody else Mm -hmm. and he he does uh ask did he ruin the night for everybody and i thought probably (laughs) you know you think they may have had a great time up until then but
1: so to me to me this would have been if if i was andrew i probably would have similar thing probably not with the tip that that part like whatever but i think i would have just said okay let's go out and get you know late late night diner food and then just recapped how awful that had been and like yeah joked it up and then it would have been like remember that time so i think i would have tried to redeem redeem it instead of just kept beating myself up over it
2: yes so uh my Criticism, I guess, of how he behaved was number one. Fifty cents and frowny face is bullshit. On the tip, uh, two, be brave. I, you gotta own this stuff. I don't care how mean she was. You can't like throw the slip and then try to make a quick getaway before she can yell at you. <laughs> you know, yeah, you do have some power as a patron. <laughs>
1: and was this before he was doing passive aggressive yelp reviews <laughs> um oh i think he did leave a yelp review. oh really for that, didn't he i know so. i find don't it. remember
2: <laughs> and he was so disappointed because he'd had such a good experience there previously right that this was just even that much worse because he was starting to develop a relationship with this bar. And then it's kind of tainted from then on because I guarantee he n- never went back to that bar without thinking of that incident, which is
1: too bad. Yeah. yeah. He Luke asked him if he'll ever go back and, and he said, I don't know. I'm curious if he ever really did.
2: Yeah, they haven't gone back to L.A. much since they moved. Maybe just like the one time. So
1: who knows? (laughs) Maybe it went out of business because of his Yelp review.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it? Didn't I feel like during this discussion, uh, they maybe the part that wasn't in the clip, like they looked at some other reviews. (laughs) Oh, okay. I, I seem to recall reading other reviews about that particular place and that particular bartender who got called out by a lot of different people oh, good. for being good. a giant pain in the ass.
1: Good. Then then you kind of feel a little justified.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's sort of justified in being upset. I would say that uh, he probably picked the very worst way to deal with it
1: all right so let's get to the last one this one comes from june 2015 it's when andrew jacked a cab from some (laughs) quote-unquote tourists (laughs) let's take a listen
3: i got into some bad bad old habits on friday
0: well, last and, time I and, saw you on Friday was the one of the weirdest goodbyes. I didn't even say goodbye to you or Carrie. I, I have no idea when I'm going to see you guys again. Do you remember that? And all of a sudden you're just like, there's a cab. Get it. And so I ran out in the middle of yep. the street and grabbed a cab and stole it from some tourists. And they yelled at me, asshole, as I drove by.
3: Oh, I didn't know you heard him say asshole.
0: Yeah. I was actually kind of interested in hearing your perspective on what the hell happened because
3: I was kind of flustered. But <laughs> anyway. So we, we, had, we had finished recording the show. Uh, we had then you had uh, uploaded it to the internet, so now it was available for the world to hear. And you were, we were hold as always. The whole production was running kind of behind, so you needed to get to your next spot. And so we were, and like your phone was dead, so you couldn't call Uber. And so there was a whole bunch of like you know sort of challenging circumstances. We're in Pike Place Market at like what 4:30 on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. So it's like super busy. With it's a beautiful Friday as well. Super busy with people. And, like, a cab came by that you almost got, but somebody jumped in it. And then another cab came by. And um, we were, like, up a kind of steep hill from the cab. And I was like, get that cab, run. So you did. And then do you want to explain what happened from your perspective next? Yeah, because I actually really do need you to fill in the blanks. It was strange, too,
0: because I felt like there. one thing you can say about Pike Place Market at that time on a Friday is there are tons of cabs. So I wasn't actually even feeling tons of pressure to grab that one, but it
3: seemed like you felt a lot of pressure See, I didn't for think me. there would be tons of cabs. I felt that, you know, like, not unlike when you're in New York, and if you're in Manhattan at 5 o'clock on a Friday, now, granted, there are a lot of cabs, but there are a lot of people needing cabs. So mm-hmm. my fear was, and I was starting to feel stressed for you just, like, getting to your next appointment. Really. I was acting very stressed out. about. I was worried that, yeah. that, that like, yeah, there are, there are cabs about, but they're all full of people. Like, so mm-hmm. I, when I saw what I thought was an, an opportunity for you... I was like, jump on it. I think what you said was jump on it. Yes. You said it like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, and I was kind of the, –
0: the, then I just sort of jumped into action. I almost felt like a kid again. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, I kind of grabbed that. And so like it didn't even occur to me that I wasn't even going to be seeing you or Carrie anymore. So I'm just suddenly now running towards this cab, which I yell, hey, to stop the cab. You're trying to whistle. I can't whistle. Then I
3: just yell, hey, I'm stop. yelling at Carrie to whistle oh. because Carrie is <laughs> a really – she has a super loud, like, you know, like, coach whistle mm-hmm, that she mm-hmm. can do. That's great. But, but then, of course, in this one moment, she couldn't muster the whistle. And I can't do that. I don't know how to. I can make a loon sound like this. That's a good way to call a cab. That's a good way to call a loon. Yeah. A loon cab. Yeah. In but um, so I was like, I was like elbowing Carrie, like, whistle, do your loud whistle. And she was like, I can't. God damn it. It's broken. So you're, like, jogging towards the cab, hollering at it. So I just give it one of those, hey!
0: You know, one of those guttural, hey! And so the cab is about to be pulling... Is about to be... The cab is about to be pulling into a... um, Right into this weird kind of three- or four-way weird intersection. And then it just stops. There's traffic behind it. There's pedestrians all over the place. It hears me yell or he hears me yell. And so he just stops his cab in the middle of the dang intersection. So now I'm, like... I'm all of a sudden, like, very... Feeling a lot of pressure because there's all these cars behind him... And so I start running towards a cab, and then I realize that there's these tourists across the street, and they were trying to hell the cab, too, and I don't want to steal anybody's cab. So then I, 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 I'm almost to the cab at this point, so I turn to them. I'm like, is this yours? And they're, like, yelling a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of them yelling at once. And it seems like they're yelling at the cabbie in an angry way. So I say, is this yours? And I point at the car. And then the cabbie yells from inside. He's like, no, they're not mine. Get in here. So I'm like, all right. So I just get in there. I just wanted to get him out of the damn intersection. Honestly, that's why I'm feeling pressure at this point. So then I get in the car. He starts driving right away. And as the and then as I pass this family, my window's down. They're just like, the one guy yells, asshole. And I just looked at him like kind of like, Because I actually felt bad. I mean, there are times I actually act like an asshole on the road, as we've discussed, and so I deserve. But in this case, I was like, "I'm sorry." I think I, I don't think I said I'm sorry, but I was just like, "What's going on?" I think I yelled at them as I drove by. I just nobody likes (laughs) being called an asshole, but I also wasn't. I guess I deserved it. What
3: did it all look like from your perspective? It's it's pretty much as you describe it. I mean, you you got to the cab, and then these people on the street were, you know, down the street from you were kind of like, hey, we've been waiting as if there's, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry, you've been waiting longer. Well, then I guess you get the cab. That's not really how it works. It's who the cabby sees and who he motions over or she motions over to the car, mm-hmm. really. I know the frustration of waiting for a cab on one corner and having a cab come up the street and someone grab it. Midway up the street, like before it gets to you. Well, that's just the brakes. You should find a different place to stand. Mm-hmm. It's not like that person stole the cab from you. It's that that person got in the cab in the place they got in the cab. That's just the law of the jungle. But if so, they had,
0: I, but if they had already made eye contact with him, the cab was coming over to pick them up, and then I was just slightly easier. Um, the, well, that wouldn't they even were make in sense the because of? he
3: could have. Well, they were over at a stop sign, so he yeah. actually. If he were trying to go with the simplest thing, he would have just pulled over to them. I think what happened was he didn't see them there. They were in a thicket of people, Mm -hmm. and he saw you, and he said, you know, okay. He picked you up as a fare essentially, and so then whatever anybody else says at that is sort of moot after that. Okay, so you think I was in the right,
0: huh? I I thought for sure you were going to kind of laugh at me and say that was a weird thing.
3: Not only were you in the right, but also you said to them, hey, is this your cab? Do you want it? You gave them the opportunity to have the cab. I was watching all of this Mm, happen. mm. And so – because now at this point, Carrie and I are getting closer to the cab. Now we're crossing the street over towards where all these people are. And you're trying to let them get in the cab. And, of course, my thinking is like, don't do it, (laughs) Walt. Get in the cab and get the hell out of here. (laughs) But you're being Andrew and being really nice and saying, hey, do you want the cab? And then they're just standing there for a while. And then, like, they're not getting the cab. They're not taking you up on the offer. So you get in the cab. And then as you're going by – this doofus yells asshole to you, and not only do you not like having someone yell asshole at you, I really don't like someone yelling asshole at my friend who is <laughs> not an asshole.
0: So did you go and in, um, get into a fight with those folks? Is I that the is, in, that, is that the old I didn't bad get into behavior? a
3: physical I didn't get into a physical confrontation, but I told I I'm not I'm laughing a little bit, but I'm actually I'm actually. I'm pretty embarrassed of my behavior because that was not cool of that guy to say. But as Carrie explained to me later, let that guy be the jerk who said something that he shouldn't have said. Don't come over the top, and then you're the jerk. Because I basically said, hey, that's my friend, and he's not an asshole, and I'll motherfucking drop you.
0: Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. When you – when you said you slid in some old behavior on Friday, I thought you were going to talk about going to Goldie's or something like that.
3: No, and I'm I felt about yelling bad yelling at people that I will beat them up on the street.
0: So my, I was trying to interject my little cab story before the timeline got too far down the line. I had no idea that it was actually related to that. So yeah. this whole thing that you wanted to talk about your old ba- bad behavior really did happen the second
3: I left. Yeah. You yeah. you were kind of far away from those guys, so you no walked... no I I somehow i we closed we closed enough ground on the situation that when he yelled asshole at you i was like i was coming across the street towards him and i was like i just had this moment of like fury because it felt so uncalled for to me because you had asked them again if they wanted the cab i know you you're the least asshole person i know probably on the planet like i just really inf- also i had had like two drinks during the recording of the show oh, yeah. and that's it that is not i'm sure um uh, not re- that's not unrelated to this. I think I was probably slightly buzzed, and so this, you know, this anger that I felt, this kind of indignation that like my friend was being accused of something he didn't do by this guy, who was just one of these like shaved head, Oakley blades, just d back. you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like just, just like the, the, just he just he's the kind of guy who yells asshole at people for for no reason. He was now, a tourist. He just, just looked guy, like you're kind of like yeah you know
0: and a you know guy from yes. any state USA coming to visit the most exactly. touristy place in and it's a state Seattle. where they,
3: and it's a state where they don't have cabs I mean right. really this was the other yeah. thing my brain was writing it's amazing how fast your brain can write a story about something yeah. in the moment so the story my brain was writing was you guys don't live somewhere where there are cabs if you did you would understand that what my friend did was not a jerk move and that you don't have some inalienable right to cab service because you've been standing there for a while that's not how cabs work bro do you even cab bro so i I was like so it was was this thing of them being these kind of to me these i don't know what you would say just like rubes or something who were like then it's like oh they're probably just marching around like well look at all the you know look at this place and you know all this you know, I don't know what. Look at these homeless people, or look at these oh Seattle liberals. You know, I, mean? I'm a, yeah. I don't know anything about right. these people for real, but I immediately create this kind of person. This guy is. He saw me
0: as a he saw me as a a, a big city hustler, just right. exactly. the, which is hilarious if right. you know exactly. me at all. And also, it would make me sad to be like if I'm the person who made somebody feel like they don't like Seattle. That would break my heart uh, because I'm actually applying for jobs at the Seattle Booster uh, mm-hmm. Club. Yeah, which is a thing. I assume. Yeah, Um, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not not gonna gonna lie to Andrew. He didn't get on the short list (laughs) because the. Booster Club doesn't exactly exist, but that uh, – I am pretty flabbergasted by this whole thing. I had no idea that that's what happened. I honestly – I've been a little embarrassed the past couple of days, and I've been kind of wanting to talk to you about, like, what did you see? Because I thought it was – I felt like a 10-year-old kid who's like – sorry, this going not sound really weird, but I sort of felt like my parents were saying, go run, do that. And then, like – and then there were some other people over there saying, don't do that. And I just was kind of like, what's going on? Like, I just – You were getting hollered <laughs> I, at. I was getting I didn't know what's going on. experience but i also didn't let it bother me too much i i was like ah, i kind of stole those people's cab i felt kind of bad about it but i was also kind of like i'm not gonna let that get in the way of anything i was just kind of embarrassed because i I felt like i just must have looked like a muppet like a like a <laughs> flustered muppet out there going well i
3: don't know what's going on and uh, no, no no you just yeah. looked you looked exactly like what you were which was a person who who was going to an empty cab then who's who heard someone else yelling and then who nicely said oh is this yours do you want it and then they didn't Act on, it was like they were more excited mm. about being pissed off about big city living <laughs> than just going, oh, yeah, that's our cab. We'll take it. Like they could have just walked over and gotten in the cab. So all of this is playing through my mind. The martinis are playing through my <laughs> my mind and heart. And I'm just like, this guy just tried to big dog someone, and now I'm going to bigger dog him. Mm. And I just – so I just was like, that's my – I was like, that's my friend. I was like, that's my friend, and he's not a fucking asshole. And the guy kind of looks over me and I'm like, and I will motherfucking drop you. And he just looks straight ahead and will. Side note, dude was like 6'4, he could have way beat me up. He just he saw heavy. another big city. That's hostler. right. He, was, he has such a story to take back to Dubuque. But when I was like, and so I was like, I will drop you. I mean, I, I say this with the realization that this makes me a crazy person and is not. I am not telling this story because I'm like, Hey Andrew, I stuck up for you. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean. You was like the guy who shot Reagan thought he was sticking up for Jodie Foster. <laughs> you I know? love being the Jodie Foster in this story. <laughs> you know, like it's not. It's this is not. Uh, it, it's 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 embarrassing, really, to talk about it. It it just it indicates a, a weird part of my insecurity complex that is still not apparently hundred percent under control. Wow. But I was like, I wanted to. I felt that he was trying to diminish you and so I had this strong feeling of wanting him to feel diminished. And so I was like start I was like saying this as I'm starting to veer towards him and Carrie is like puts her arm around me like like stop dude and then I did because even that's all it took for me to kind of snap out of this bizarre wow bizarre like just like fight or flight intense reaction and to just go into the restaurant and sit down and then begin apologizing profusely to her because to Carrie like, yeah well, she yeah, must who have wants been to be walking bummed. Well, sadly, she's not not used to it. I mean I don't do that a lot. I haven't done that for – I'm sure the listeners are keeping uh, closer tabs (laughs) on this than I am, but I don't think I've done that for like a year or two um, uh, if I remember right. But then, yeah, I mean it's just like nobody needs that kind of shit in their life Mm. from the person they're married to or from the person they're friends with or from the person – uh, who doesn't know them, but is just standing on a corner. <laughs> Granted, I mean, he was like being a four on the A-hole scale, and then I just decided to come in at a 14.
0: Right. Well, um, I guess if if there's any silver lining, um, uh, Seattle traffic won't have to deal with that particular group of tourists ever, ever again, because I'm sure they're not coming <laughs> back to that fair city.
1: Okay, Anne, what did you think of this?
2: Uh, I legitimately felt bad for Andrew in this one because he was really trying hard. To do the right thing, no, multiple times he tried. Yes, I do not feel bad for Luke because once again, Luke took it to a place that he didn't need to take it to. I think, uh, I think Carrie was very wise Mm -hmm. in telling him that he should let the other guy be the asshole.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's so much to unpack here. Um, (laughs) but. Luke did legitimately sound embarrassed, horrified at his behavior. So that's right. new. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, again, he's defending his friend. I wonder if he's ever big dog about himself. Hmm. It always seems to be about a friend or a girlfriend or a group a group of people. That he or a time that they're trying to have, it's never about him, at least that he's told.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think, and nothing is really coming
1: to mind. So, is he a jerk or just the best friend ever? Well, can't he be both? Yes, I agree. Yeah, both. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> well, that was quick commentary. <laughs> well, I, I love that, Andrew called himself a flustered muppet (laughs) yeah just standing there with his bags getting hollered at um, as a flustered muppet um yeah like what's happening i also love that they came up with a pretty elaborate story about these people being tourists i know that has absolutely no basis in fact (laughs)
2: other than the fact that they were at Pike Place Market, like on a Friday afternoon. Right. But so were Luke and Andrew, and they're not tourists. So I find this to be kind of a tenuous connection. Just because the guy had a shaved head and Oakley sunglasses, is that not a Seattle thing? He must be from somewhere else.
1: Well, I just, I mean, I probably would have made, would have jumped to the conclusion that they're tourists because. Most Seattle people don't go to Pike Place Market, especially during the summer. I mean, you do occasionally if you're taking out of town people there, but it's such a crazy shit show because the cruise ships come in there and that's one of the stops and it's just you can't get Mm. anywhere. And then also most people don't take cabs unless they're going to the airport or unless you don't live there. You know what I right. mean?
2: It's how like it's like
1: how people from Minnesota don't usually go to the Mall of America. Exactly. You go to the malls that are closer to you that, you know, you can get into the store in and out mm-hmm. fast. It, it, it's just it's like that. So, I mean, those are big red flags of tourists. But what if they were and their only experience in Seattle is some guy coming up to beat them up? I know I'll motherfucking drop you it's like welcome to Seattle
2: I'll motherfucking drop you
1: and you know what that's so aggressive that's not even like Mm -hmm. hey fuck off like that would have been less like my friend's not an asshole fuck off that but right well that
2: is his favorite right he's referenced that whole I'll motherfucking drop you thing before that's one of his go-to lines
1: that's true. I hope he never says that to me. That that would be so scary. Yeah, I it would have been funny if the guy just looked at him and looked at looked at his head and said, "Paint your bald spot." <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad has this. Uh, it's like a family legend story of the time when he was in Mexico and he was walking. He was drunkenly walking down the street, and this was probably. 10 years ago um, so he was 50 something he's walking down the street all drunk and there's this guy like big bodybuilder type guy and he just keeps slapping his girlfriend or the woman that he's with and like um, pulling her around and stopping and like punching her and my dad goes up to him and he says I'm old and I'm drunk but I know Taekwondo and if you touch her again I will take you out and then and he just keeps walking and then he was like, I turned the corner and just stood in the alley shaking because what the hell does take you out mean? What was I going to do? My dad's like five, seven, pounds. He's not taking anyone out. And the Taekwondo that he did is no contact. So it's <laughs> so, hilarious. But that's it. I love your dad so much. Right. And then he said, and then I saw those, I saw them at my pool the next day, all love y'all over each other. And I said, well, maybe you saved their relationship.
2: Maybe. <laughs> it's extreme counseling. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Some drunk gay dude <laughs> corners you in the alley. <laughs> oh my God. I bet the guy was like, if he's threatening me, you must be really scary. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think we're in agreement that Andrew didn't
2: do anything wrong. Yes. Right? He did his, his best to uh, be a good neighbor and offer these people the cab. And he says that it wasn't really that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Except for the part that he said that he's been embarrassed and second-guessing himself for days and days. Yeah and then he had to bring it up on the show uh and i feel really bad for him because he shouldn't have to spend so much time trying to figure out if he's a bad person
1: i know and the thing is that probably knowing what happened after he got in the cab made it worse yeah
2: (laughs) well i don't know (laughs) It's nice to know that somebody's sticking up for you, even if they do it in a way that's grossly inappropriate.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> but so let's
2: let's compare this then for Luke's um, behavior, like at the nightlight, and then his behavior now. I would say the nightlight behavior was maybe more subtle aggression uh and this was very overt aggression but do we think that he's grown or that he's learned anything in the intervening what like 6 years between those two clips
1: well i think he's more embarrassed by his behavior in now mm-hmm. um i think the one at the night lay was a little bit more aggressive cuz he actually touched the person true and was pretty degrading to their life instead of just i'm gonna cut you or whatever um but he is more remorseful of what of what happened
2: yeah and he seems to have realized right away that he shouldn't have done that i don't know if it was the influence of carrie who right who's probably
1: mortified that's
2: that's not cool yeah well i would be too yeah i think (laughs) He says that she actually stopped him from going after this guy physically. Oh. So
1: who knows? Yeah, I wonder if she was like, "What am I getting myself into?"
2: <laughs> well, he has a lot of a lot of good qualities yes. to balance out some of these um, baser instincts, maybe.
1: Someone has to pay at Lisa Weinberg's mortgage. That's true. <laughs> That's every time I go to my therapist and she has new shoes I'm like I paid for those.
2: <laughs> well, I really enjoy listening to these big dog stories because it is so different from my personality yes. and how I deal with the world that it's re- it's I would say it's both just kind of a trip to hear that. And also it's really informative to hear like somebody else's thought process and the way they interact with the world. That's so different from, from me Mm and not that I'm advocating for more people to be that way. (laughs)
1: Less violence, please.
2: Yes. And as we've said before, one of the best things about Luke is his honesty about this stuff is that he is not afraid to make himself the villain and i think most of his stories actually he kind of puts himself he gives himself the villain edit uh and i think it takes a lot of courage to kind of expose your flaws to a whole bunch of strangers so even though i i am slightly horrified at some of this behavior I really appreciate that he has the courage to talk about it.
1: I agree. All right. Here's some housekeeping. We have some new merch in the merch store. If you would like a case cloche, which is a hilarious joke and mug, um, or a Walsh wash and doormat, go ahead and go to... Little Red bandwagon and push the shop button. Also, if you'd like to shop on Amazon, like most of us do, go to littleredbandwagon.com/slash Amazon and we'll get a couple pennies for the things that you buy. Uh, let's see. Send in, we're still collecting LRB best of this year, 2017's um, moments. We've had a couple that are hilarious be submitted, and we'd love to hear what yours is. And of course, the archive project everyone please join we're almost current and shows like this could not exist without the help of the historic
2: if you want to get involved with the show and you know you do please come visit us at littleredbandwagon.com get signed up to be on a friday show there are still plenty of good clips in the tbtl universe to come on and talk about If you have rants or raves or anything that you want to talk to us about uh, regarding TBTL or LRB, our site, throwyourphone.com, is ready and waiting for your comments. You can find us at our Facebook page and also hanging around the Stens page, up to no good as usual. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast, and you can email us at any time at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Finally, if you have something that you feel just needs your voice on the airwaves, such as they are, you can always uh, leave us a voicemail at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285.
1: Christy, have we kept our big dogs in? I think so. None of us drink. I don't think that we can... Unless it's unless women are being silenced or gays are being oppressed, our big dogs stay in.
2: I think those are worthy causes. Yeah, me too. Well, until one of those things happens, why don't you get us out of here?
1: All right. Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Luke. Oh,
3: Nailed it.